This episode is sponsored by Marquette Associates. Marquette is an independent investment consulting firm that was founded in 1986 and has served the same mission ever since, to be a trusted partner to their clients and provide meaningful and thoughtful investment guidance. They've worked with dozens of public organizations in Illinois, and as of December 31st, 2020, that includes 20 firefighter funds across the state, as well as a new consolidated firefighters pension investment fund. Marquette is headquartered in Chicago, and we're grateful for their support of the podcast. You can learn more about Marquette on their website at marquetteassociates.com. This is not an endorsement of Marquette's services. It's nice to be back. Yeah, you ready? All right, let's do it. That's where you should start. <laughs> They record? It's not, are we recording now? Yeah. I was so rusty because they recorded two episodes without me. I didn't even realize that we were recording. This all has to stay in, by the way, just so you are aware. So back again, Jerry Marzullo, Luke slash Timothy Howison, the Associated Firefighters of Illinois podcast. I have absolutely no idea what episode this is because I missed a couple episodes. What episode is this? To be Chuck's going to be pissed, man, if we don't get this right. I think we're at 14. Are you serious? Yep. 14 episodes? Yep. That's pretty awesome. We have, like, sponsors? We have sponsors. We have sponsors? Um, we're legit. And we are. We got better when prestige you... Prestige worldwide. We got better when you weren't here. That's not true. We're the last two the best. <laughs> yes. Most the highest, <laughs> no, highest <laughs> ratings. Highest rankings. <laughs> Did you, on a scale of one to ten, though, you missed? Come on, now it wasn't. The oh, same. I missed you. Yeah, I, I was ready same. to beat my head against the wall. <laughs> it's right. This is this is hard. This whole thing. It, it, yeah, that's why you have a voice. <laughs> you don't have to look at your face. It's exactly right. I have a face for radio. Oh uh, yes. So we are uh, we are back. I'm back from my little hiatus here. A few things have changed. I switched firms. So yeah, that's you're a Cubs fan now. I am not. That's yeah. messed up, man. Don't he, even start with that shit. Really? Not, I'm not. You a, took Craig Kimbrell over to the Sox. We like, did take him because we're going to the show. And then the, and with our, our guest was just there on all this night. We'll ask him about it in a moment because nobody has better sideburns than I do because they were the real deal. But we'll get to that in a second. I, I think the Cubs got some good prospects out of uh, the Sox there. Right. I you know what? We're going to the show this year. You're not going to get any tickets. You all can't right. go. So it is what it is. So I did not become a Cubs fan, everybody, but I did switch firms. I dissolved my firm, became a partner in Asher Gittler. So I get to talk to Joel D'Alba every day, and it's awesome. It's a pleasure. He knows everything about everything, so that's been good. Margaret hasn't shoved you down the stairs yet. Margaret has tried a couple different times. It's pretty awesome. But, I, you know, I carry her so much at the firm. I carry so much water, and I carry her so I, It's, like, constant. It's like, Margaret, do I have to just keep helping everybody here and putting the weight of the entire firm on my shoulders and move forward. How, what is the shortest tenure of, a, of the partner of a part, in that firm? Of a that firm. <laughs> what's today? <laughs> Your phone's ringing. <laughs> what's today? Oh, how, how long has that firm been around? I'm just curious. The, the Asher firm, I think, was the late 40s or early 50s. It is awesome. I mean, it is really cool. And actually, all kidding aside, like talking to Joel, that dude – is a fountain of labor knowledge. It's really impressive, man. He's he's pretty wild. So it's got some pretty cool stories. So and I haven't screwed it up yet. So life is good. No, I think it's cool that it's a AFFI powerhouse and it is now all the, the attorneys in there and the locals that are represented through the firm. I think it's great. And so I think probably what is like two hundred and twenty AFFI locals. Two twenty five. Two twenty five. I would bet you we probably have like two hundred or something, two hundred plus of them now. So it's it's fantastic. So it's a it's a good thing. And now uh, back in the saddle for the other podcast. Okay, so let's get to it because I'm super excited. 
I know this is episode, we think 14. Chuck, sorry if it's not, but I think it is. I don't think he cares anymore. He, he does. He just gave up. <laughs> it's like, you two are losers. He just gave up. <laughs> um, this is the, our guest is someone that I think we've wanted to have on here from the beginning. We actually he's wanted, wondering why he's here now after yeah, listening to us start bet, this off. Lost a bet with life. <laughs> First of all, everyone in the room is oddly sober. We we wanted to stay that way so that we could um, really discuss matters with our guest, who we wanted to be. I think what episode we wanted to be guest number one. We but did. We did. But he, but he left the AFFI. Yeah, he left the AFFI. So we have. I remember because I can't. I don't even say his name out loud. Remember when I always say his name? It's like Pat Devaney. Yeah, you. Because it's almost like the the golden Buddha floating in the room. You've heard the previous podcast, like Jerry genuflected. Yeah, yeah. Maybe one day we'll have Pat Devaney on the podcast. It'll be fantastic. It's like it's like saying Beetlejuice three times. It's it's amazing. Now he's here, right? It's almost like the Beatles being here. So there you go. Who's your favorite Beatle? Do you have one? Oh, Lennon. Lennon is? For Why? Because sure. he was just such an asshole? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. George mis- Harrison was my favorite Beatle. Right. Yeah, Lennon was a misfit. Um, he's got amazing sideburns as well on the Abbey Road album. Just want to say that, but it is what it is. So anyway, we uh, do have the secretary of the AFL-CIO, the Illinois AFL-CIO, former statewide president of the Associated Firefighters of Illinois, Pat Devaney here, and it's awesome. It is something that we've wanted to do for a long time. And he is super busy representing all of us throughout the state and dealing with national matters, et cetera, on all labor issues. And we will be getting to that shortly, but it's really cool. Um, Personally, all kidding aside for me, Pat was somebody that I had the pleasure of knowing many for a while now. And I do have to, I just want to say this one thing on all seriousness. I, I, I am, there's, I am where I am today in no small part professionally uh, as an attorney because Pat had always cracked the door open for me and given me an opportunity and, you know, different conferences come and speak at or, you know, meet this local or come to this meeting, et cetera. He always made room for me because I think I hoodwinked you into thinking I was a good attorney uh, more than once. And Pat had always kind of cracked the door open for me and gave me an opportunity and I was able to open the door and walk through it. So my loyalty to him, uh, all kidding aside, has always been um, um, pretty remarkable because you were always good to me. So I'm really happy that you are here and you're deep, deep, deep down. You're a decent person. So that's good. (laughs) You just can't tell it from the surface. (laughs) You just can't tell it from the surface. Well, it's good to be here with you guys. Yeah. And and truly, uh, Jerry, you've been a friend for a long time. And Luke, um, it's amazing for me to see what you guys are doing with the AFFI, doing things like this, trying to find new ways to communicate with our members, our leaders, uh, our our newest members who might not have engaged with their local union yet. This is a a great thing. It is. It's really cool. We've gotten some uh, really great feedback, some good reviews, and we're going to keep doing it because people keep listening to it. So it's nice. Um, so with that, we are very happy that you're here and taking a moment with us. Uh, but what I want to do, though, is because, you know, things change and local leadership changes and people who attend conferences change and time marches on. And you have not been gone fully from the AFFI world for a particularly long time, but we do have a lot of new members. And I think the the first part, what we wanted to do is get you to kind of go into your background a little bit and explain where you're from and what local you're on and, and, and your career at not only uh, the fire department, but also with the Associated Firefighters. So if you could just start from the beginning and let everybody know who may not have had the opportunity to meet you. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I came from Champaign Firefighters Local 1260. Uh, very proud of that. Uh, spent a 25-year career there and recently separated service in the end of 2019 when I went to work for the Illinois AFL-CIO. I started there back in 95. Uh, prior to it, I was uh, 24 years old, finished college, working in a bar, having the time of my life. But you still maybe, look the same. Yeah, <laughs> just on the other side of the bar now. Yeah. But this is not necessarily being a productive member of society. My mom suggested I look for a career path. My grandfather was a Chicago firefighter. Um, so I went and took the test in Champaign, got lucky, got on, knew nothing about firefighting, went through the training, began the job, loved it. But what I soon came to learn is in my second year after attending all the local union meetings and listening to the older guys, you know, talk about how we got to the place where we were, the things that we had in our collective bargaining agreement as a well-established local I uh, ran for treasurer my second year on the job, was elected, served as vice president, uh, president. And then I was fortunate enough after running some statewide downstate campaigns, being the liaison for the firefighters, I was lucky enough in 2004 to be elected as the central district legislative rep. I spent four years lobbying for the firefighters, quickly came to know what a what a powerhouse they were at the state capitol. Uh, definitely a hard job, but a lot easier given the the strength of our profession, the strength of our union, the solidarity, the, the, the men and women behind us were able to do some amazing things legislatively. Had an opportunity in 2008 uh, to run as president. Um, I was successful um, in, in that run. And then ran the firefighters union, statewide union, for the next 12 years. Um, and I know most of you know, but the AFFI now has 15,000 members um, and 225 locals across the state. Definitely a growing union, robust, uh, new energy with some of the younger members of the executive board. In 2020, um, I had an opportunity after serving on the Illinois AFL-CIO executive board, the State Federation of Labor, for 12 years to run for one of the principal officers positions. And I was fortunate enough to be appointed by the executive board and then elected the subsequent July. And I've been in this position now for about 18 months as secretary treasurer. And, and, and it's been incredible. Has your, did you have a family background? Like you're very good at running. You're, you're talking about running the statewide campaigns and the political campaigns. Did you come from that background or just something that you took to kind of naturally or how did that work? You know, growing up, my I, my parents weren't into politics. My family's originally from the south side of Chicago, back of the yard. So, you know, the ward politics and the precinct captain. It's in our blood. I mean? Yeah, exactly. So I heard stories about that growing up. But my dad wasn't uh, wasn't directly involved in it, no. Just no. something I kind of acquired a taste for over time. And so you did the one term as the uh, the central district rep. And then that was in two. So, but yeah, about, then you ran 2007, 2008 for president until December of 2019, correct? Is that, is that the kind of time? Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. And it was a great run. I, I miss I miss the, the people involved with the AFFI, but fortunately my office is four blocks down the street, so I get to see them whenever I want. There's a couple bars on each right, block. Right, right, a couple things. stops I can rest along the way. Well, you get, you get winded. Right, exactly. Right? Yeah, you don't have that strict firefighter workout routine anymore, so it is what it is. Um, what is, would you say, is your top one or two signature achievements as president of the Associated Firefighters of Illinois. Like when you look back, we, you know, passed this or we were able to do something, you know, do this, something along those lines. But in your tenure there, because I noticed, because I got on in 99 and you could, I, in, truly, I think your three term, I mean, the successes 
like the Substitutes Act, those types of things. Like what what are the top two achievements that you could look back on that you remember specifically? Wow, it's hard to limit it to to just a couple. Or, yeah, um, there just, were so many go. things that that we did along the way, and and definitely our predecessors, you know, before before me. Um, but I mean, the hiring act, all of the things we did for injured and disabled firefighters, all the pension accomplishments we were able to achieve, workers' comp. But if you boil it down to just a couple, I would say first and foremost, the substitutes act. For sure, that was something that I think has had the most dramatic impact sure. impact on our affiliates and our locals. And it was really fortuitous that we were able to pass it in 2007 because with the Great Recession in 2008 and the impact that that had on the fire service and the number of layoffs that we were able to stave off as a result of having the Substitutes Act in place just a year prior, that was really amazing. Spent a lot of time in my first couple of years going to local union meetings, trying to figure out how we were going to retain the youngest members of our local. But it was also a great source of pride because in each and every one of those locals, they did what was necessary to help prevent putting, you know, their, sure. their youngest, most junior members out, out on the street and without a job. I'd say the second would be probably the increases that we were able to, the improvements we were able to make to the pension code, particularly as it relates to survivors, um, uh, surviving spouses, and also those who are at the minimum level of a pension. Yeah. When we passed increasing that those minimum pensions, and we were talking like 1200 bucks a month at the time, modest increases, but also providing a bump for surviving widows uh, of firefighters that passed away. I literally, we got calls uh, of those, you know, mostly women, literally crying, talking about what a difference that made in their life sure. and the things that they were having to forego as a result of, you know, the, the really de minimis pension that they were receiving before that. So that was significant. That was really significant. And also you actually could could observe the results and the effect that it had on people. Which I think there was a, a couple pa minimum passes over the years. There, ha there, there have, have been. been. And that, they always awesome. just had a great impact because they were the people who really needed the help the most. The Substitute Act is one of those things where it's, it's always there. You're either... You're either obviously you're actively using it, but like the specter of it is in the background. It, it just for like cold, hard, like bargaining or labor relations. It's one of those things where we're here. You have to deal with us. We might as well sit down and bargain over the contract. Right. I mean, it's just one of those things that's just always either there or right beneath the surface to use. In my opinion, operationally, I've never seen anything that has a greater impact in terms of of, of saving our memberships. Uh, um for their ability to do the job and then also forcing the employer to come to the table and come to terms with us. It's an incredible achievement. Yeah. And I, I think it's a, a statute that no other state in the country has from what I I've understand. Never, yeah. I've, that was something that, you know, we thought about for a couple of years, thought the odds of us actually passing it were very slim, but went ahead, rolled up our sleeves, went in and we're barely able to, to get it through, but we got it through just in the nick of time in yes. terms of staving off the bad things that were about to happen over the next couple of years in the Great Recession. That's incredible. Yeah. So, and then I want to talk about a little bit about the, because now that we've done this, I want to get into the AFL-CIO and really one of the, the reason why we're here today, uh, first of all, to thank you for everything and all of your work. And then second is to understand the next chapter and how that affects members. So when this podcast was designed, again, we had talked about this a little bit beforehand, you know, it was designed in mind with those individuals that those familiar faces that you see at all the conferences and seminars, but also for those individuals who, you know, for one reason or another, aren't on their executive boards yet, and maybe driving to and from the firehouse want to understand a little bit more. 
So what we want to do is just make it nice and simple and just really understand, for lack of a better term, like the hierarchy of the AFL-CIO, you know, national down to the state, down to us. So can you just explain that background a little bit and just how it works from the top down? Yeah, and it's really the model isn't that much different than the firefighters union. I mean, you know, we have the IAFF in Washington, D.C., the International for Firefighters, um, you know, over 300,000 now, I believe, firefighters across the country and uh, Canada. And then, you know, we have the AFFI, which is the state union. The AFL-CIO, the model is very similar. We have the national AFL-CIO, which resides in Washington, D.C. Their primary focus is working on federal policy legislation that affects all working people. Um, like the PRO Act that we'll, I think we'll talk about sure. in a little bit, something yes. that's underway right now. And then here in Illinois, we have the Illinois AFL-CIO, the State Federation of Labor, which is a subsidiary of the national. The Illinois AFL-CIO has 900,000 um, union me members that it represents and 1,500 affiliates across the state. Um, and we represent everyone from firefighters, nurses, um, other types of public employees. We represent the service industry, hospitality workers. Um, we represent manufacturing, people who are working in factories. We represent the building and construction trades, uh, you know, IBEW, cement masons, and otherwise. So it's a very diverse group of affiliates. But what makes it so special and where we derive most of our power is out of that diversity when we can all join in together under one umbrella and get on the same side and work for not only union people, but work for all all sure. union uh, working people in general. Um, you know, things like raising the minimum wage. You know, certainly there were some union people that were benefited from that along the way. But there were tons and tons of people who were non-union, and that would not have happened without the Illinois AFL-CIO and that overarching support of labor across the state. Sure. And so, I mean... It is for the president of AF, the nationwide AFL-CIO is a mine is mine worker. Yeah, Rich Trump yeah, came, out of, came out of the United Mine Workers. Yeah, yeah correct. Yes. And the president of Illinois AFL-CIO is Tim Dre, and he is he's a former coal miner, but he came out of the UFCW, UFCW yeah. local 881, the Food and Commercial Workers. Great guy. He's been with the uh, Illinois AFL-CIO for I think 12 years yes. now. Was a secretary treasurer prior to becoming the president last year. Right. So he became president and you moved into secretary. I took well. I took his spot. Correct. And the executive board of the Illinois AFL-CIO is made up of what? How many individuals? How does that work? There are 36 vice presidents on the Illinois AFL-CIO executive board. And again, representing a diverse group of uh, affiliates, um, including AFFI president Chuck Sullivan. He's yes. now an Illinois AFL-CIO executive board member. Is at all the meetings, very engaged. You know, he's working every day for the firefighters, but he also takes the time to invest and make sure that the firefighters are doing what they can to lift up other units of organized labor, other affiliates. Okay. And and is it the two positions, so there's vice presidents, but then there's the president and secretary treasurers, right? The principal officers, the president and secretary treasurer, and then the vice presidents, the 36 of them, make up our executive board. Now, is it my, was there a public employee president or secretary treasurer ever before you that was one of the two principal positions? There was, in recent memory, there were somebody from, there was somebody from the teachers. Margaret okay. Blackshear was the uh, uh, secretary treasurer and then became the president. But I believe, I don't believe that we have ever had as one of the two principal officers, as a matter of fact, I'm certain of it, a firefighter. So that was something, I mean, personally, I was very, very um, honored to 
have the trust of not only, you know, firefighters and public sector people, but also, you know, the trade unions and the service employees um, to allow me to uh, serve in this capacity. Um, so, the, I'm, but after that, though, I want to talk a little bit about the, um, that's, <laughs> or threat, <laughs> kind of threading the needle between, because you were talking about the, the diversity of all the locals. I mean, you're right. You have service employees, highly skilled labor, truck drivers, everybody. So are all of those bills, is everything, how does that bill passing process move? Is that all just funnel through the vice president, the president, the secretary, treasurer? You determine what's important or what you think you can pass this legislative session. Like how does that, how does that work? Because that's kind of how yeah. AFFI does it. Is it familiar to you? Yeah, and that's a that's a great question. That I mean, the AFFI we certainly have differences at time um, between our affiliates or members, you know, in terms of their views on what type of legislation that we should sure. pursue. And there's a process we go to convention and and listen to our affiliates, you know, each and every day. The Illinois AFL-CIO takes a similar process. I mean, we have a convention. People are able to submit resolutions for the type of um, issues that they want us to pursue. But we also have weekly meetings with all of our affiliates, um, their lobbyists or their representatives in Springfield. We try to learn and understand the type of issues that they are for and against. We try to bring people together and build a consensus. So if it's a firefighter issue, we've got the service industry and the trades supporting it and going in and make sure the legislator knows that all of organized labor is in versa. support of it and vice versa. Now, there are times, you know, where people disagree. We try to build a consensus and bring people together, but sometimes we end up on either side of an issue. And at that time, typically the state fed takes a neutral position and our affiliates just okay. kind of have to hash that out. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about some national legislation and what is being worked on. One of the things you had mentioned, you know, there was the PRO Act and just different. So nationally, let me back up for a second and try to explain to our viewers or viewers, our listeners, you wouldn't want to see this, explain to our listeners why I'm asking these questions. One of the things that we've tried to do in previous podcasts is explain to our membership the importance of voting the right way and voting on economic issues that are important to you and voting for people who support those economic issues. And I think that we've been very open, the Associated Firefighters has been very open um, in stating, you know, we don't want to get into the cultural, social issues. We want to support those individuals who are directly economically benefiting us, right? And that's kind of been a mantra for the Associated Firefighters for, for – And it's worked uh, very well for us. It's worked very yeah. well. Um, so kind of the same thing uh, that I want to talk about on the national AFL-CIO level and then some things you've been working on in Illinois. But on the national level, one or two big pieces of legislation that our members should be aware of that we are working on nationally. Yeah, I think the one that's getting, you know, the most headlines and the one that our national is focusing on the most is what they're calling the PRO Act, Protecting the Right to Organize Act. So first and, and foremost, and I hope everyone understands that, and if not, that they will, you know, try to understand exactly what, how, how we're situated in Illinois. We have one of the most pro-labor, labor-friendly states of any state in the country. Right. We have state statutes and legislation that not only support firefighters and protect firefighters, whether they're injured, whether they're, you know, have a, have a pension, whether they're job protections in terms of disciplinary proceedings or, or otherwise. 
Um, many other states in the country do not have that. In fact, I believe over half, I think it's 27 states now are right to work, work, right? So Illinois is not only one of the, you know, a handful of states that have labor laws that are friendly to workers, but we have even among those, some of the most robust labor laws in the state. Hands down. Other states, and particularly in the public sector here, in the private sector, I think can understand that this a little bit better. In other states, it's almost impossible to organize a, a local union. The employers, and we saw this in the Amazon warehouse effort down in Alabama, the employers meet with in mandatory meetings with their their employees, uh, threaten to fire them. You know, do fire people who are advocating joining a union, harass them, coerce them to voting no in any sort of an election that they're able to to, to implement. And so, what the Pro Act does, protecting the right to organize. It's, it's really just sets out a fundamental set of protections for workers to exercise what I think is really a fundamental right in joining with your fellow employees, forming a bargaining unit and collectively bargaining with your employer over fair wage, job protections, you know, sick leave, those, those types of Correct. things that we take for granted as firefighters Literally here in Illinois. minimum benefits that you should get for showing up to work. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, you, you think about that, you know, you have the right to free speech, you have the right to vote. I don't know how different it is for workers who you know, just want to, you know, perhaps lift up their, their status in life or, or, you know, perhaps enter the middle class or, or ascend in the middle class to be able to just join with their fellow employees and bargain with their employers over a fair work deal. I, I, I'm really glad you mentioned it because it was one of the things that I, I was going to talk about in relation to our laws and protections versus what is going on in other parts of the country because – I think a lot of people don't understand in our world the incredible amount of protections and the work that has gone. There's a lot of people that do understand, but I think as time goes on, there's a lot of people in our world in Illinois here that that don't understand that there are a lot of states that are not like us. And when you read about the Amazon election and what took place and how that election was conducted, when you really read, when you, you know, take aside the... Um, maybe more polarizing of news outlets and you understand the facts and look at how that election was conducted. It is not that individuals did not want to organize. It was a colossal failure. It is that the deck was so stacked against that union in trying to get these people organized. It is utterly remarkable. It is actually utterly remarkable that there were that many yes votes there, given the uphill battle that those that that union faced to organize those Amazon employees. And I, and I just think we failed to recognize that again, being in Illinois and being public employees. Yeah. Like, well, in there's Illinois, a law. Of course, right. I mean, there's there's a law here. Of course, there is. It's like it doesn't exist in half. We're governed country. by the Illinois Labor Relations Board um, that has very very pro-worker, pro-labor laws and rules that they follow. Now, sometimes, you know, certainly there are challenges there or timeliness issues. But at the end of the day, we're propped up by a strong set of statutes that support us. In the private sector and across the country, they have to deal with the NLRB and Correct. the Na National Labor Relations Act. And, Jerry, you could talk better than I could about the challenges there and about the lack of enforcement and workers, I mean, yes. that are harassed by their employers and just don't have yes. any recourse. Yeah. And it takes a, it takes a year of every presidential term to just confirm a member to the NLRB, let alone get up to speed and, and what that does is in terms of backlog of cases. But I mean, it, it's just amazing. People need to understand that, that 
the assault is just sustaining and never ending. Like the uh, farm workers out in California just suffered that uh, United States Supreme Court loss where they could no longer make entry onto the farms to talk to people about worker protection and labor. And, you know, it's something that like the average person's like, wait, what are you even talking about? So, well, that just came out in June. That decision just came out in June. So it is just a constant battle for just the minimum ability to sit down and talk about a wage or healthcare, et cetera. And the Amazon election was something that was near and dear to me because, you know, as valiant as it was, it's like you feel like that local just didn't have a chance because of the lack of the laws and protections. And maybe the PRO Act will change that. And so for our members who are uh, listening out there in Radio Land, where is that bill right now? So the PRO Act passed the House of Representatives in Congress. Um, it received it was mostly Democratic votes. I think five Republicans voted for it. Yeah, the there House. were Republicans yeah. that crossed there over. Were a handful yeah. of Republicans that voted for it, that, which is great. And uh, it now resides in the Senate. But because of the filibuster limitations and the voting requirements in the Senate, it's definitely an uphill battle. But it's something our national and our, our state AFL-CIO is working on every day. Yeah. Fortunately, our senators, Tammy Duckworth, um, uh, supports it. Um, well, Dick Durbin support everybody. And Dick Durbin, yeah, yeah, as, as well, both of our senators. Yeah, Absolutely. Dick Durbin being the number two in the Senate is leading the charge on, yeah. on the pro act. Yeah, he, they yeah. are both uh, pretty legit, solid in our corner in terms Correct. of understanding these issues. Um, but the the so. It's in the Senate right now. I know that that is also a priority of President Biden. I mean, he has said that this is a signature piece of what he wants to accomplish in his presidential term, in his first term. And, and that's something that, uh, to me, regardless of your, your politics or partisan identity, when you look at President Biden and his stance on unions and the things that he you know, openly supports, including the Amazon workers in, in Alabama, Absolutely. he's one of the most pro-union presidents, many people say, since perhaps FDR. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He is pretty blatant with it, which is a Correct. wonderful it's nice to have in your corner. Um, the next piece of legislation that I wanted to talk about was I know that there is a bill that has potentially introduced Medicare at 55 for police and fire nationwide or eligibility for that. Do I have that right? That Yeah, that's a proposal. And I have not been tracking that closely this legislative session in Congress. But that is a bill that's been out there for a while. Perhaps yeah. the thought is with the IAFF and perhaps some of the police unions is that right now because of the makeup of the, the House, uh, this, you know, split in the Senate. And then obviously uh, Biden in the White House, that that is something that they could advance this legislative session. Yeah. But I, I don't know the current status it's, of it. It's nice to see. I mean, I don't think it's anywhere, of course, near being passed, but it is nice to see some type of understanding, especially on the firefighter side of the absolute toxic materials, hazardous materials, the things that that we have to be exposed to and the protection potentially that being uh, eligible for that at a younger age would provide nationwide for for us. It's a, it's a fantastic issue to pursue, yes. right? the likelihood of passing it. I, I just I'm not currently you know aware of anything else this session for on the national level that we want to uh that, that we should I, I be think our of? primary focus is on the, the PRO Act. There are other issues that they're pursuing right now, but there are a couple of, of state issues that I think that we yeah. want to talk about. Yeah. So what we're is Illinois AFL-CIO, I, I know the one I'm going to ask you about because that's awesome, but the what issues have you guys been working on statewide? Well, one of the big issues that you're going to be hearing about um, over the course of the next year leading up to the November election in 2022 is the workers' rights constitutional amendment. 
um, we were able to pass out of the House and the Senate with super majorities and on a bipartisan vote, including some some Republicans, an amendment to amend the Illinois Constitution yes. that would make um, prevent anyone in the future from enacting legislation or doing anything to make Illinois a right to work state or to diminish collective bargaining rights for public employees. Absolutely. A very, very important issue. Now, in Illinois right now, again, that's not a threat today or tomorrow, but we just know. lived through four years of an administration from 2014 to 2018. You know, Governor Rauner, his primary focus and the centerpiece of his agenda was making Illinois a right to work sure. state. He failed because of organized labor, because of the AFFI, because of the Illinois AFL-CIO. But the thought is, we don't know what's going to happen politically in the future, but if we enshrine this in our Constitution, we know we won't have to fight off threats like that in the future at the state legislative or executive level. I thought that local empowerment zones were a great idea, Pat. What do you <laughs> Let, let the people decide. You live in one, don't you? <laughs> yeah. I don't have an empowerment zone. My wife tells me what to right, do right, right. There is no empowerment. Yeah, it didn't work out for it very well out. in the end. But we spent a ton of money and, and effort you know, on that issue when we should have been focusing on other things, at lifting workers up it instead, was, of, instead of protecting basic rights. That was four rough years. I remember when he was first elected, and I remember talking to you, and, and you – being very open with what challenges you thought were going to be the next four years for his term. And that was a, uh, a quite a dogfight fending off as, as I saw it at the time, challenge after challenge after challenge of, and of four years of legislation that you guys were out of your minds working either against or working to nullify in the, in the state Capitol. And it was a perfect example of the, you know, decades of political action and legislative, you know, work that we had done as, as firefighters that the Illinois FLCIO did across organized labor across the entire state and the leadership of then Speaker Madigan and the president of the Senate, you know, Cullerton, yeah. to be able to stave those efforts off. Yeah. Governor has a pretty powerful bully pulpit, but when you have friends in the General Assembly that are going to prevent them and, and hold a, a budget hostage for two and a half years as a result of that, I mean, that's some real leadership. And those are friends that we've developed and are going to continue to have. But it was awesome to see, you know, statewide through the efforts of Illinois AFL-CIO. I mean, I, I can remember. I remember the news articles. I remember on WGN, but like, you know, AFSME and SCIU together and the Teamsters together and the operating engineers talk about the local empowerment zones. The operating engineers were like, no, nope, not going to happen on our watch. I mean, it was badass to see everybody just like, all right, we've got to fight this for four years. It was the greatest gift that organized labor has ever received. Yeah. Yes. Rounder's attempt to, to make Illinois a right to work and to roll back collective bargaining rights for public employees because it created that solidarity and that unity across all of the sectors yes. in the union movement. And that's something that we should also try to do during good times to not only stave off, you know, attacks, you know, when it doesn't a always have to be a crisis, okay, coalesce, but also to try to find ways to lift workers up. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. What else? So we have that. What else have you guys been working on Illinois AFL-CIO? Oh, uh, we had a variety of issues that we were successful in passing, um, you know, this year. And it was, that they were more specific to certain industries. I mean, like the auto mechanics that Governor signed a bill yesterday. Auto mechanics, you know, historically the manufacturers don't pay them like a fair wage when they're doing warranty work as a result of like the number of hours they get paid. Right. Ridiculous. You know, they're not actually sometimes, you know, their, their pay is cut in half. We were able to pass a bill that limits uh, manufacturers' ability to do those type of things. Um, we have a bill that we're still working on that would uh, 
protect workers who work in high hazard facilities. That would require a minimum level of training and also require them to pay a prevailing wage. Right now in some of the refineries and ethanol plants and that across the state, we're seeing them get rid of our organized, talented labor pool um, of our union members and bringing in out-of-state unskilled workers to do you know, turnaround and outages and maintenance at refineries and those types of things that could have a devastating like health impact on oh a region God. or on a community. So those are, I mean, there's a lot of those types of you individual issues. You would want them issues. to be highly trained employees in those areas? Or I, it doesn't make any sense, <laughs> does it? Right. It's weird. Right. <laughs> Why would you need to know what you're doing, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I mean, and that, those are just a couple examples, but I mean, there, there's a list of bills that are brought forward by a number of our affiliates. But what I'll, I'll say is this, is that you know, the firefighters have an incredible legislative program, have an incredible legislative team um, and that have been successful for many years, um, you know, definitely at the, at the top of the pack. Um, and many of our affiliates, you know, ha have a strong legislative programs. But when everyone comes together and works and around an issue and pushes forward and the building trades, you know, talk to their people who they have the closest relationship, the firefighters talk to those legislators that, you know, they're close with service sector and other public employees, and you're able to build a coalition to move something forward, it's almost unstoppable. Right. So taking the opportunity, you know, to, to support the state federation of labor and the Illinois AFL-CIO, whether you're a firefighter or otherwise, is just really critically important to continue to keep Illinois as a labor-friendly state. Well, people listening to this probably don't realize that it's 900,000 union members. So if you take that plus families, plus friends and neighbors, it's a pretty significant voting block, I would imagine. Absolutely. You turn out organized labor and organized labor households uh, in an election, you have a powerful, powerful voting block. It's hard to beat. So I, I, I want to, again, talk about the interplay Um I know that you've been very open in wanting to ensure that the local AFFI affiliates understand what value there is when they are members of the state AFL-CIO, the Illinois AFL-CIO, and that kind of – so we – Luke slash Timothy and I had – you didn't hear that episode when Chuck started calling him Tim Snow. It's always known throughout the I States. actually like, did, but did I, 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 I've been doing that for a long time. Activity. Um, but one of the things that we had talked about in one of the earlier podcasts is how important it is for our members to understand that it is a global issue and that what happens to the truck drivers and what happens to the auto mechanics and what happens to the communication workers and police officers and nurses ultimately affects us. And it's one of the th points that we've tried to make on this show over and over and over again is that one of the... I would say the beauty and extreme difficulty of organized labor is that it is such a complex web. And you've said it multiple times now of of sticking together and to make sure that it's kind of like a tidal wave that everybody's on the same page and understands. And that's one of the things that I'm not going to say. I'm, I'm, how would I say this? I have seen in, in some of our younger members maybe not uh, – no, it, it, because a lot of our contracts and a lot of our, our laws and protections are so advanced that they're, it's not that they're willfully unaware. They're just unaware of that. They just, it's not any, it's not a bad thing. They're just not educated as to why it is so important that that SEIU member has the same level of protections and the same ability to fight for themselves as we do, that no man can exist on an island. Um, and so to that point, when, when the, state, excuse me, when our local affiliates 
pay in to the Illinois AFL-CIO, they are getting that benefit. You guys are turning around, helping the mine workers, the communication workers, et cetera, correct? That's absolutely correct. And you know, a great example, and when this was really illustrated and magnified in a way that I, no one could have expected, was during COVID. I mean, COVID impacted our diverse group of affiliates so differently. However, we all joined together and addressed all of the different, very diverse challenges that were out there for firefighters, um, you know, police officers, nurses, you know, other type of uh, people in the healthcare industry. We were fighting for PPE for the hospitality workers, people who clean rooms in hotels, Correct. restaurant workers, people that work in bars, um, the entertainment industry devastated, you know, the art, stage ticket sellers, workers, unions, ticket everybody. sellers, decorators. I mean, they were literally at 90 to 100% unemployment for months and in some cases still are, where we're fighting for unemployment benefits and other types of aid for them. Yes. Construction workers, we were trying to make sure that those projects weren't going to be shut down and making sure the governor's executive orders kept you know, uh, construction going and making sure that they were deemed essential employees. Very diverse needs during a you know a pandemic that, that hasn't been you know seen in generations. But at the same time, it was all of labor pulling together in each one of these directions, making sure that all of these needs were met. Yes. So it was to me a perfect illustration why having you know um, a, a labor movement that's unified is just really so important. And yes. again, that's during challenging times. Think what we could do during good times when we're all pulling in the same I mean, direction. That's a stunning number. I mean, there were entire industries where 90 to 100% of those workers and those bargain units gone. Absolutely. Just gone in a matter of like 72 hours. Like you're done. We'll see you. We don't know when. That's an extraordinary number. And that is, I think, the kind of thing that we, that on this show, we're asking our members to understand that, yes, our guys went to work every day and did an, a remarkable job, remarkable job, police, fire, nurses, doctors, everybody. And it was just such a very different set of difficulties. And then you have an entire bargaining unit that's just wiped out for like six months. Like, oh, my it, God, it was it was remarkable just how differently it impacted different types of unions and different types of employments. But again, and again, it was a broad effort. It wasn't just, you know, the, the top of the Illinois FLCIO. It was people pulling together to make sure that our society was continuing yeah. to, you know, advance. I mean, literally, <laughs> literally, literally, literally right. You would wake yeah. up in the morning. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That you were able to, to survive a very difficult time. And we were we were an important part of it. But so was the AFFI and so of all of our individual affiliates. Sure. The presumptive protection for people who became positive with COVID. I mean, that that was something that was initiated um, by the AFFI um, because of all the other presumptive, uh, presumptive protections that we have in work comp and, and in the pension code. But then again, they very generously allowed us to extend that type of protection to all of the essential workers. We worked closely with the governor's office and eventually the General Assembly. Yes. And, you know, we were protected. We actually had it renewed once. That's correct. Yes. That's correct. Yeah. Which is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, just to continue on the involvement for our locals and stuff in, into the AFL-CIO, we kind of hit a little bit on, like, the dues and stuff like that. And, and would you mention the number of our locals, the AFI locals, probably two-thirds are participating in that part? I think right now we're at about two-thirds of our 225 members. And, you know, I, and I, I'm actually, this was something from day one. We were going to go and not only pursue, you know, becoming 100 percent, you know, and participating with the firefighters, but also into other sectors where some people perhaps have fallen off. 
and the people who I've spoken with that aren't currently affiliated that are AFFI affiliates, what I've learned is it typically hasn't been because they made some decision or they were upset about some policy that was enacted by the state fed. It's the simple thing. They changed the treasurer. They changed the secretary. Right, treasurer. Right. They got an invoice, didn't know what the hell is this and just, you know, kind of fell off and quit paying it to where we're going to go through and make sure that people are aware of the types of things that we're doing. It's 56 cents a member a month. I mean, it's a great value for the price that you pay. It's, you know, very minimal. So we're in the process of doing a drive. I'd love to see the AFFI get to 100 percent participation. And I'm confident in talking to some of our members who aren't currently participating, that it's more of a thing where, well, we just really didn't know what we didn't know. And once we kind of work with them, that they'll come along. Yeah, the FFI podcast is going to get you to 100%. Oh, of course. We'll see how Guarante- this happens. Guarantee. So, so on top of that, then, there's uh, what are some other ways that, you know, we can engage with other unions, whether it be the operating engineers or SCIU or, or things like that in our communities? There's, yeah. there's ways we can get together and band with organized labor in different ways. Is there some ideas? One of the, and one of the ways? best ways to do that, Luke, is um, by participating in your central labor councils, you'll see your CLCs. So I, I talked about the National AFL-CIO. I talked about the State Federation of Labor. We also have local chapters, um, central labor councils that are usually designated. Sometimes they're limited to a single county. Sometimes it can be you know 10 to 12 counties that make up a CLC. Again, a very minimal cost to join the CLC, but it gives you an opportunity at the local level to build those relationships with the building trades, with the service employees and other types of unions. So when the building trades are on a picket, you get a couple of firefighters or public employees show up and support them. When you have a fight at City Hall over a contract or over something that's going on within your bargaining unit, you've got the electricians and the, and the plumbers and the carpenters behind you. It's just a great symbiotic relationship to where everybody, again, unifies and pushes in the same direction. Will there be differences at the local level? Absolutely. But it's just a great opportunity to network and support each other, uh, other other units in organized labor. But all of that information also for the CLCs, that's all on, conveniently, the Illinois AFL-CIO website. You can go there and figure out which CLC and all your meetings. That's correct. There's a a map and the representatives and contact information um, is is, uh, available on our website www.ilafl-cio.org. Yes, yeah, that's pretty fantastic. Yeah, and then another avenue I think uh, some of our members have been able to experience, especially this last spring, with you working into the FLCIO, we were able to work into the Sprinkler Fitters Union and provide some education to our members on that side of the coin, not just on union education, but education they can use at, at work as a firefighter. Uh, we're also looking into getting into maybe with the electricians and elevators union. And there's a lot of other avenues. We can work together on all kinds of topics, aside just from union activism, but, you know, education and, and other avenues that are out there for us. For in 20, over 21 years in the fire service, I want somebody from the elevators union to explain to me why there are 500 different types of keys to get somebody out that's stuck in an elevator. Why can't there just be one uniform key? Do you, ever, do you remember each, every firehouse has the key ring with the 600 different types of keys? I'm asking the elevators union right now, why is that the case? We'll have them. Yes. Maybe have them on next I time. want them to strike it Pat like Otis Elevator Company until there's one uniform key system so I don't have to listen to the person whining in the elevator for 20 minutes. That's what I want. That's my ask on this show. Can you make that happen? 
Yeah, I got your guy. Ed, yeah. Ed Christensen, wonderful individual at Elevator Construction. Ed, um, why? Yeah, he, he's fantastic. And I have a feeling he'll. it won't take him long to explain all the reasons why that was a really stupid idea. Yeah, yeah. Most likely it's like, just Jerry, shut up. <laughs> Next. I'm not going to answer this. Just shut up. Um, so there is going to be, you guys are seeking Luke slash Timothy of new. Do you like I make this last sign every time? Yeah. Just people don't realize that when I say Luke slash Timothy, I actually make this last sign in the air at the time. I just but, love people don't even know who I am anymore. They just outside of being a legend, yeah. they don't understand. No, they Tim Luke. They just they, they don't even it know what to matter. call me. You're a man of many faces. And then too, we've changed my title. I'm not at large anymore. So just it's, large. It's, yeah, it's just <laughs> it's it's messed up. So. so you guys are though openly see you've talked about before like seeking other opportunities to kind of cross train with other bargain units yeah and and, and what better and actually a great example i had uh, and pat mentioning about you know supporting other unions uh, one of the days when we were at the sprinkler fetters there and also local 281 they got a great leadership team there mm-hmm. they had a sprinkler fitter outfit that they were trying to organize and one of the kids they had on the inside that was kind of leading the organizing drive got fired and, and again, our members don't understand that because we're pretty well set up as firefighters. But this uh, kid had been laid off, uh, you know, uh, not working. And we had about, I think, 50 members at this class. We passed the hat for that kid, and he had $700 at the end of that. That's fantastic. Hat around, that's the way it should be. So again, that's, again, getting each other's back, that organized labor thing, I think is awesome. And it was the sprinkler fitter guys were. They just couldn't believe what happened, what they saw. They had never seen that before, uh, what our guys did, our, our firefighters did to support that kid in their organizing efforts. So, yeah, I think it's cool that we're able to do that. And like Pat said, if something's going on in your community, you have that backup with those other labor unions. And, well, and you can support them as well. It's, I, it's I, good stuff. I think just from just trying to like be real here, I think from a minimum lazy point of view, that any one of our affiliates who, for one reason or another, is not a member of the Illinois AFL-CIO, and you have said that before, Pat, you've been very open saying that, yeah, I mean, it, it literally was, you know, the, the the bank account changed, so the automatic withdrawal. Almost like, all sweat, of I mean, Exactly. Yeah, it's like, exactly. I'm sorry. But at a minimum for a local affiliate, I think the minimum you can do is to join at 56 cents a month. Um, because I was looking at my own, I think my own local, it's like 500 bucks a year or something like that for that. Yeah. To allow reasonable. you guys to go and that's doing our part to allow you with the state to help the communication workers and the operating engineers, and the electricians, et cetera, et cetera. And I, and I think the more they get involved and then they get involved in their local communities, like Luke says, um, it's going to benefit them. When you build that relationship and when you build that support network and, you know, helping others is great, but there's going to come a time where it's going to come around and you're going to need that assistance and support at the Everyone's local level. in the pickle barrel. Correct. 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 Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You just think about the 900,000 plus members compared to our 15,000 members. If you need some action at City Hall and you, let's say they're laying guys off and gals Correct. off, you could have all kinds of elections. Oh, sorry. I can't. Slow down a little bit. Elections. Uh, yes, elections, electricians, plumbers, carpenters, they all show up at that city hall meeting to support you. And those are the relationships you got to leverage. And I think that we're more powerful, like you said earlier, as one big group. It, it, it makes a difference. Yeah. And th- in supporting their efforts. I mean, when they have a picket going on, whether it's a restaurant or a store and the tradespeople boycott, well, that's something. 
Well, imagine if all of the union members and their family boycotted. I have a feeling whatever result they were trying to accomplish would happen that much more quickly, right? And the same is true, you know, when your fire department or your fire district is making a decision, like if you're putting a new roof on or you're doing some type of maintenance project, consider that local union to do that work, you know, as opposed to something else. Because, again, that's going to build some goodwill and you're going to have that relationship that you'll rely on in the future. And plus, is there anything better than Scabby the Rat? Is there anything better? I love Scabby. I fucking love Scabby. Scabby was just protected. Damn right. Courts. It was protected. That's yeah. right. Yeah. It was, it, it was, wait, I'm trying to remember who was that just the, just the, um, the idea of Scabby on the sidewalk alone was aggressive, violent, and threatening behavior. Threatening, correct. Is what, the, is what the standard was. I was like, well, goddamn right, you know. <laughs> but yes, Scabby lives, everybody. I love Scabby the Rat. So, God bless Scabby. Yeah, it's fantastic. I need any what other um legislation should our members be aware of right now? Uh, if there's anything else that, that you want to there may not be. I don't know. If there was something else that you wanted to Well, I mean, for for our members for the for the AFFI right now, I mean, I think the primary focus for them and the interest is going to be in those bills that are specific to firefighters. Sure. You know, I mean I think just being a part of the movement and, and supporting, you know, the state fed in general will will help across the board. But I know they've got and they were had a hugely successful legislative session this spring, passed a number of initiatives yes. that were, you know, great benefit to our member. Coming up in the fall veto session, I know they've got a bill that would allow um, company officers, the multi and, yeah, multi company officer exactly, bill, exactly to be able to uh, to organize and be part of the unit. Yes. Um, so oh, I mean, there's just great things happening at the AFFI. So that's one thing. Also, you know, I support the State Federation of Labor, but if you are not engaged and you are not following what the AFFI is doing. Please get on their website, go to a district meeting and learn about it because they're working every day on your behalf, whether you're aware of it or not. So, yeah, two things, just as long as we are here to discuss in the fall, the multi-company officer bill is coming up as the the battalion chiefs, hopefully. We'll see. I know that that's of of importance. But something that that you had been, which reminded me, something you had been instrumental uh, back, I think, later on, like 2018, 2019, but for anybody out there listening, and I was telling all my pension board clients um, that for that six-month window, um, any Article 3 to Article 4, so excuse me, I just want to get this out there so that when people are listening. So it used to be uh, using, uh, if you were a Berwyn police officer and smartened up and became a Berwyn firefighter, you well, it really wouldn't be smart either. So if you were a Berwyn police officer and became like a Naperville firefighter, that's the smart move, then you could uh, you could not transfer your time. Now the bill that passed, so any Article 3, so any police department to your fire department, there's a six-month window that you can transfer your credible service time up to eight years, so something you should be aware of. What else do we have for Pat? Actually, I want to know from Pat, what are your two most memorable things of Jerry Marzullo? Oh, my God. We mostly don't remember our time together. We, rolling around yeah, on the ground. Yeah, we mostly just we mostly I'll just, just uh, leave the room right yeah, now. Yeah, there's a lot of I mean, I feel that Pat and I have been attacked multiple times by the space aliens, and you know, it's again, nobody's talking about it. So I mean I would just I would just say that. I think I, I think just in general, watching anyone that had 
any sense of like professional acumen, like watch one of Jerry's slide presentations and educational offerings that just the horror in their face. Yeah. That's, that's always special for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. God, that, that's that, that's actually perfect because I was reviewing putting together a stewards training. Uh, Going to go do that uh, tomorrow night for a local. And I was looking at some of your slides trying oh to gleam God. some information off there. I'm like, oh, I can't use this shit. It's I, done. <laughs> now it's got it's got so it's got even worse now. So now I did an interest arbitration for the for the Geneva Professional Firefighters. And as I was sitting there, Matt Olson drew a stick figure of me with these sideburns. That's like a stick figure with sideburns. So I immediately made it like my little Facebook page guy. It's amazing. And now it's gonna be the cover for all of my AFFI presentations. So it's funny. <laughs> Oh, that's really fantastic. <laughs> it's classic. They yeah. actually look better than the real sideburns, though. <laughs> well, that's not that's, saying that's much. That's weird. How jealous? You're jealous of my sideburns. Do you want to talk about it? Now, I mean, I don't want to embarrass you and maybe your potential inability to grow amazing sideburns like this. So I don't know if you want to talk about it now, but you're they, jealous. They make me angry. <laughs> Just the sight of them I, angers me. There's something about your face that right. I, I don't <laughs> I don't like it right. and it makes me angry and I want to hit your stupid face yeah <laughs> I, so I, you walking down the street babies were crying moms were uh, pulling their children trees were side. dying yeah it's just really really bad <laughs> man well love you too so that's good <laughs> so that's good what well, can we do a MDA fundraiser to get Pat to grow sideburns? Oh my God! Yeah, I, you could it do would, it. I, we'd have to have it in like 2024. <laughs> <laughs> I just I look like an angry little leprechaun when yeah. I try to like grow facial hair. That's because you don't age like a normal. That's why there there is a there is a concerted group of people that don't care for you because of your inability to age. You look exactly the same now as you did like 20 years ago. It's kind of frightening. well. That's very kind of you yeah. to say. I'm 90 on the inside. <laughs> Right. My liver's a buck five. Right. I just want everybody to know that. So um, any final thoughts regarding the wonderful world of the Illinois? AFL no, CIO? you know, th this was a, a great opportunity. I, I really appreciate you guys taking the time and, and letting me talk about something that I'm very passionate about and something that I, I really believe, you know, not only the, the, the State Federation of Labor, the existing affiliates that are in it, but the firefighter affiliates that could become a part of it, just the benefit that we would all have if the entire labor movement participated and not only in a financial way and supported us, you know, in terms of becoming members, but actually invested in working with the broader labor movement outside of the, the, the firefighter, sure. you know, labor movement. I just really think it would be a benefit for, you know, the entire state um, and definitely, you know, selfishly for AFFI members to be able to, to, to lift everyone up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is uh, it is awesome that you are here. It is fantastic. It is really cool in our world that one of our own is in the position that you are in. It is quite an achievement, and it is well-deserved. I can think of nobody better in that spot, uh, all, all kidding aside. I also know that you are kidding, and you love my sideburns, and so I'm just going to leave that at that. Uh, and <laughs> what else? I think that's uh, it. Yeah, really it. Uh, thanks again, Pat, for coming out. Um, I really say that I uh, appreciate your support in getting the education programs in the FFI moving in the right direction. Uh, your support to this is one of the ideas that I was pushing. Um, I originally wanted to do between two ferns with you guys. Yeah. And uh, between two engines. Yeah. But, maybe we uh, will do that. We'll, maybe we'll do it someday. But. I was going to dress up like Mary Todd Lincoln, if you recall. That's what I was going to do. 
Oh my god. Yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, moving on. So, one of the things that Pat is still supporting our programs. I just want to get this out there is our new member conference. Uh, first, yes. first one that we're going to host will be in Bloomington Normal at the Marriott Hotel Conference Center on September 20th and 21st, and really going to engage our new members on a variety of topics that are important to them, from just being involved in the union, what labor history is, the political side of things, uh, cancer prevention. We're even doing a when session. When you say on new members, which new members are you talking any about? Any under five years. All right. Um, that registration will be out soon, hopefully even before this podcast is released. But uh, Pat will be there as our keynote speaker. Uh, and again, just shows his support back for our programs and truly appreciate that. But do want to get that out there that that program is going to be coming up soon. It's the first one we've ever had. So those of you listening to this podcast, you'll be able to sign up through the FFI office. Just watch for the registration to come out through your local. And there's the FFI Pension Conference. Yeah, the Pension Conference. Do we have the dates will, for that yeah, that'll be October 25th and 26th in Lyle. And then by invite only, we do have our new officer training. That's going to be October 4th at the AFFI office in Springfield. Uh, local officers that have been elected in the last couple of years have already received those invites. So the AFFI this fall is going to have a pretty robust education schedule, cool. uh, along with some virtual options we'll have out there, too, uh, over, the, the, over the fall session. So, yeah, I just want to get those kind of little notes out there for people to check into that mm -hmm. stuff. So. Pat, thank you. This was a, a long time in the making for anybody listening uh, right now to tell you how busy this man is uh, representing 900,000 workers in the state is quite the understatement. And we are uh, honored you would come and take the time. So hey, it was a pleasure. Thank you, guys. All right. Take care. Thanks, Pat. Take care, everyone.